love, kindness, human connection. These are some of the things we talk about on The Danny Painter Show. It's a thing. This show is intended for a more mature audience. We might sometimes say bad words. Hello, Danny. Wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Okay, so I've spoken to you more than once now. Um, I think you guys were a beautiful news story that I featured on my Jacaranda FM show. Um, I've been following you. Uh, There was an incredible documentary that we're going to speak about. But before we get into it, Zip Zap is a circus school, um, but it's also a a circus. um, And you train circus people. Um, So if if we want to run away to the circus, this is where we're running. But it was started with the most beautiful vision and idea by two incredible human beings. Tell us a little bit about the history of of Zip Zap. Yes, it is actually based on a love story, a real true life love story, which uh, gives me great pleasure to tell the story. Um, It was founded 29 years ago. So next year will be actually 30 years by um, Brent van Rensburg, a South African, and Laurence Esteve, his French wife. Uh, Brent was, he joined the circus young. He actually started um, doing flying trapeze when he was about 16. And he went to seek his fortune overseas, as some of us do, um, and ended up working at various circuses. One of them was called Ringling Brothers in Florida and had a thriving circus career in flying trapeze. He traveled all over the world and one of the places that he ended up at was um, Club Med on some Caribbean island. I think it was a Dominican Republic. And um, he then met the Rance at Club Med. She happened to be running the Club Med. She was French. And uh, she had done a lot of sport, studied sports science, done her MBA, so quite an astute businesswoman. And they met and fell in love. And then he ended up teaching Laurent's circus and how to trapeze. And they ended up doing um, a couple of gigs together. And then he once said, you know, well, you know, I've been all over the world with you. Why don't you come back to my beautiful country and, and come and see Cape Town? We'll just go for a holiday, just six weeks. And so she, um, you know, she did run away uh, with her, <laughs> her circus artist, much to her parents' uh, uh, sort of concern, I would say, and especially to a foreign country at the tip of Africa. Um, and Brent then introduced her to Cape Town. And, of course, that six weeks ended up being um, six months, six years, 26 years. Laurence and Brent never left. It was at a pivotal time in South African history. It was 1994 uh, when democracy, mm. the birth of democracy and the end of apartheid. And they had decided that they were going to use the circus arts as a tool for social change to bridge the social gaps that were very evident at the time and still are. Um, and it was a beautiful way of bringing children together um, in a circus family environment. Mm. So that's how that Circus was born. It's an academy, and it's just so much more than, than just a school because you don't only teach circus skills, but social skills are very much part of the tuition. 
Yeah. I was watching um, when I was doing research for this interview, I was watching some of your, some documentaries on YouTube about you guys. And I saw there was actually a carte blanche one that was done. And I think it was 2009. I think I could be wrong, but um, they were, they were talking around how they were traveling from place to place and doing circus school in fields and warehouses and, and classrooms and wherever they could, wherever they could, they were doing it. And they're, their biggest dream was to have their own space. They wanted yeah. the zip zap space. And I was just watching that and I thought, you know, from, from a vision that you think we, at some point you must go, how are we ever going to accomplish this? How are we ever going to do this? This is insane to now being zip zap, creating incredible documentaries, um, partnering with incredible companies and corporates and an established name. I wonder if they look back and remember those times when the roof was leaking and they were in the middle of nowhere and go, shit, we made it, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I love hearing those stories. I obviously wasn't part of it then, but it's uh, you can feel the spirit and the energy, the, the, the entrepreneurial spirit, and also the energy of sort of the resilience that's gone with Zipsap. And that is a skill and that we, that we also teach, you know, and pass on to, to the children because life is not easy and it doesn't always turn out the way we, we dream about it. But if we dream and we do make this big dream, which was a massive very ambitious dream um, and actually it started when Laurence and Brent started they had uh, a rusty old bucky which is a truck in <laughs> American language uh, a, a rusty old bucky they had a box of costumes they had a, a trapeze rope which they actually hung in trees and they would then go to do trapeze tuition in the townships of Cape Town outside yeah, uh, schools they had no venue so it really was like a traveling circus they would just take along joy wherever they went and also welcomed all children yeah because um, there was there were no barriers to entry it didn't cost anything um there was no uh it was just no no children were turned away which is was a beautiful thing and that is the that is how it started and that was the vision then and the big hairy audacious dream then and it has not actually relented it's continued yeah. snowballed and through thick and thin with the leaking roofs with the changing of venues they've been in warehouses they've been in very temporary venues where they had to sweep the floors because of the rain pouring through before they could actually start training all the kids jump in together and that is how circus works you know it's not like this is my job and that i'd only do circus so I don't sweep and I don't clean windows and I don't do, we all just jump in together and all, you know, hop on board to make things happen. So if uh, there's a hole in the roof, it gets fixed. If something needs sweeping, it gets swept. And then the show must go on. Very much like the traveling circus was, I think, in the golden years when they were traveling around Europe in the gypsy caravans, uh, it was a family that would then be performing at a venue. And so circus it builds this resilience and it's built on massive dreams, which do come true. But if you don't put them out there, how are you going to aim for anything? Yeah. 
you know, you, you touched on a lot of things that I definitely got from the documentaries that I was watching and the little snips of interviews that you guys have done over the years. And one of the resounding things that I, I think, I think we all know that a circus is a family, but I don't think we understand the extent to which it is. It, it, it is in you it's in your blood and these people you're essentially trusting with your life day in and day out and there has to be some kind of in- insane bond right of trust and and then also the training is discipline and it's of course my phone will ring now sorry <laughs> it's it's discipline and it's all of the things that we want to instill in the youth and you would never think the circus is the place we're going to do that. Let's send our kids to the circus. But it is. And I think that the watching some of the things that you guys have been have have done and and some of the interviews with especially the kids, the discipline and the resilience, like you were saying, that these kids are learning at such a young age and how if you want something, you have to work for it and you're going to fall and you're going to fail and you're not going to get it right. And then you're going to get it right, but then you may still fall and fail. It's about the getting up and the doing it over and over and over again. And I just, I wish that my parents had let me run away to a circus. <laughs> you're so right, Danny, because that's why we say we're so much more than just a circus. Because remember, we train from, uh, we actually start at ECD level. So the little schools that come through from um, Half Bay, uh, they're all from informal settlements, and these schools come every quarter. So we start them from sort of uh, four years old to six in these baby little classes, and there they're learning to trust each other, they're learning to speak English amongst each other, and they're learning that uh, they they can master something, which Mm -hmm. gives them a little bit of... um, kind of uh, control over their circumstances in a way because they can master like being the best tightrope walker or the best forward flip or the best bottomakissi or whatever it is that they're learning to do so that they can have some kind of pride in, in what they've achieved and then we take them from beginners you know from seven onwards all the way through to professional circus artists a smaller group that actually training to work in performing arts but the the the, the way that circus uh, works is you've got to you know it's it's teamwork number one you're always working in some kind of a group you you do fall someone will catch you you do have to try again because the more you try, the better you're going to become at your craft. So there's that discipline, the determination, and the perseverance to keep on keeping on and never give up. So we say we'd rather you juggle three balls really well. Um, and uh, what was it? We actually want you to juggle um, three balls really well than five balls, you know, all the time. So keep going at your three balls and really master that craft. And when anyone drops a ball in a performance, it's quite remarkable when you're sitting in our audiences, all our students cheer. It's part of how we encourage you just to push through, carry on. It's okay to drop a ball because you just pick it up and you carry on. That's what's, so it's almost like a, a parable of life, or it's, or it's quite um, symbolic, a 
of life because we do drop our balls, we do have to pick them up, dust them off, we do fall off our bikes, um, and it's not the end of the world. We can carry on and push through. And I think the performances also give them something to really work towards and they might not always shine at their school for instance they might not be traditionally good at academic achievements and go onto the prize giving stage and and get all the accolades but when they do have this opportunity and they all do have show and tells for their parents we film it uh they get to shine on stage and as part of a collective and as part of, the, of a family that's all accepting, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no conditions, as long as you keep on keeping on and, and you know, you're part of the team. Work hard, play hard. Um, I was just, as you were talking, uh, you know, these are life lessons. These aren't just circus lessons. I think a lot of us... Um, I would have loved to be told that it doesn't matter if you drop a ball, you'll be fine. Just pick it up. Um, I don't think a lot of us were ever taught that. And so when we drop a ball, the world is over and life is over. And it takes us like months to recover from dropping the ball. But just just on that, um, the universe kind of threw a spanner in the works last year for the circus. And obviously with lockdown, no one was circusing, no one was was allowed to do anything. Um, from from both perspectives, from both ZipZap and from the kids, how did you guys manage that? Because this is obviously a very safe space, a good space for the kids. How did you manage lockdown? Yes, that was a huge challenge for everybody uh, because it's always, you know, the training involves a lot of um, um, uh, hands-on kind of togetherness <laughs> and uh, it's a very physical uh, kind of training where you, there's a lot of touching involved, each other holding. So we were then having to distance from each other, which was totally against our philosophy and, and what we are accustomed to. Yeah. So our programs were suspended. Um, we had no programs running and we also weren't um, permitted to do any live shows. So the live shows of our professionals and our amateur group called the Zappers Group, who are emerging students, we put on these live shows at least four or five times a year and they are our sustainability income stream. It allows us to fund the programs which actually run for free. Mm. So all the training we do is free, no children pay. It doesn't matter where they live, whether they come from Bishop's Court or Bishop's Labors, it doesn't really matter. No one pays. Um, and that is a philosophy that we've always maintained. So the shows are a vital source of income for us. So not being able to have those, it it um, it really cuts about 45% of our income. Wow. So um, we had to really consider how else we were going to entertain our audiences without engaging with them publicly. So we had this beautiful archive of 29 years of shows, if you think about it, and not all of them were immaculately filmed, broadcast quality or anything, but we went back into our archives and we decided, well, let's put on a couple of virtual screenings of the best shows we had. And we went back into that library and we packaged uh, four different shows and we ran virtual screenings throughout the year. And 
it was actually very interesting because we were able to then reach out to a global audience because generally we, we only perform in Cape Town, sometimes at Johannesburg. We haven't really performed huge national tours. Generally, we would go overseas and perform uh, by invitation. And um, these were not happening. But the virtual screenings allowed us to reach a whole new audience, which is actually to our benefit because we're growing our, our donor base at the same time. And we're spreading the Zip Zap magic on the world stage, which is part of our mission. Um, the other way, so that was the show way, the, the how we actually reached out with our show. We also had to consider, obviously, our biggest stakeholders are the children and how are they going to cope you know with um, distancing and uh, isolation was a huge part of um, the emotional well-being being locked up inside it's really hard and not being able to go to school so we started whatsapp groups for every single program and we would then release uh, exercise lessons and sessions every week at a given time. We would encourage everyone to tune into their little exercise class. And then we would do tutorials on various circus skills, like little master classes they were able to tune in. Uh, and that kept them going. Then we asked them to give us content. So it was a reciprocation. So it was a bit of a contribution from both sides, as opposed to us just dishing out the content. We asked the students to contribute content to us. So we got the most amazing contributions and the moms and dads also got involved where they were doing gymnastics with their kids they were uh, you know climbing trees and skipping on all sorts of homemade apparatus uh, we had to put a waiver in there <laughs> you know be careful of the safety issues but it was amazing what content and then we actually asked them we, we could put put incentives in when we did a couple of competitions um, so that they could feel that they were accomplishing something and we made sort of fuss about the winners and we put them on our wall of fame at the academy um, and then we realized well you know not all we know that not all South African youth are equal and many of our students didn't have the privilege of having Wi-Fi at home yeah. and access to data. So there, there was a barrier to entry, and which was something that we were not used to and accustomed to. So we needed to remove that barrier. So we started a raising data campaign, um, and that gave us uh, another opportunity to reach out to our very generous donors. And we raised more than 100,000 rands worth of data. Wow. Which was incredible, and then we um, there was a certain criteria, and then our operations team would then um, uh, hand out the data or issue the data to to the students so that they could have access on a weekly basis. And the other thing that we realised was that many of them were literally living on the breadline. Um, so when you are hungry, you you know you're not learning and you, you're not in you don't have the energy to train so we we actually um hooked up with another charity um in heart bay and they were doing food parcel relief um that was called they were called courage they're still around and uh they they were actually initiated during the lockdown um and we were then able to feed over 650 of our students and uh, all mm. their families and we delivered uh, with our, because we have transport, we have two buses and a bucky still, and we were able to deliver home to home to their doors 
um, food parcels and sanitary packs. Wow. I I have goosebumps. I mean, you know, this is, this is, you guys are incredible, actually. I think these are the stories that we need to hear about organizations like yours, because you're not only there to, on the face of it, help kids, right? And give them a skill and help them in the world and guide them. You're also at a very base level looking after your family across the board, doesn't yeah. matter. Um, and whatever you need, however we can make you good is what yeah. we're going to do to get you good. And that's physically, mentally, emotionally, your family that you're going to be worrying about. We're going to do the whole package and we're going to keep you going so that you can train how we need you to train. And this, I think, is something that a lot of organizations need to hear. And perhaps this is a call for them to step up as well because I haven't heard of anyone going to this this length. Thank you. Because, yeah, I think that is definitely uh, part of the leadership um, philosophy. It's a holistic approach. I mean, we all... You know, you can only you can't you don't only reach physical well being, but you do need to maintain your emotional well being, and that's what COVID tested because we are social creatures and we promote social cohesion. That is part of our um, ethos and our mission. That is our mandate is using circus arts to promote that social cohesion. So when we were separated, we realized that our children are going to face isolation. They're going to be stuck at home. Many of them don't have huge gardens and swimming pools and, you know, parks that they can have access to. So how are they going to train indoors in tiny little spaces? Mm -hmm. But we actually may do and because we encourage them, you can juggle in any space. Uh, So, you know, juggling competitions are one thing that you can do. And you can also juggle with anything. You can juggle with oranges, you can juggle with rice, because we actually make our juggling balls from rice and balloons and socks. (laughs) And (laughs) socks, okay. Yes. (laughs) Um, So we, part of the the COVID plan as a management team was that our programs team each received a list of, of our various program students and their phone numbers. So we phoned every week to check in with those parents. And we said, you know, what are your needs? How are you doing? Um, and then that's how we discovered that actually they were hungry, number one. Number two, they didn't have access to the data. And even though we that is not our, our, our kind of core business or mandate, we were in circus training, mm-hmm. uh, but... I think COVID also helped um, promote collaboration yeah. between NGOs and other charities. So charities like food schemes, we would never really kind of collide with them along our route. And yeah. we it promoted this amazing collaboration where there wasn't this, um, sometimes you find in the charity space or the civil sector, there is this, um, you, know, you, you have to protect your donor base because it's only you're all fishing from the same pond and you know but this was different where it was actually about survival yeah. so there was a whole other element that came in a whole other dimension that we were entering and we felt there was this togetherness of we actually were in it together and we, mm. we were alone and we needed to collaborate to survive so a whole new kind of strategy came out of it 
One of my colleagues has said to me for years, I've known her since I was 13. And um, she said the same thing for years and years and years. And it's always, it always comes back to me um, in moments where I'm holding on to things too tightly. And she says, um, there's enough sun for everyone. And as soon as you let go, you give space for more sun to shine on you. So I think that the more we collaborate and the more we learn these incredible lessons, the more sun is going to shine on, on you and on them and on, on all of us. Um, but just going back to, to the, the data, the, the food parcels, the, the sanitary products, you know, this for me, I don't think we realize that Zip Zap is kind of like an extra mural it's not school, it's not college, it's not, it's not the, 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 the only thing that these kids are doing. You guys are an extramural and you're going to these lengths to help the kids that you are with. How can we help you help them? What do we do as, as the public? Wow, that's a wonderful question. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it alone. Uh, yeah, we, uh, well, we, have, uh, we are very fortunate. We have good, generous donors who didn't, uh, abandon us during COVID because you know we have we obviously have a mandate and we must fulfill that mandate so we need to train a certain amount of children a certain amount of times a, a week and, and in a month etc so there are these numbers that we we have to deliver on uh, and and that's how donors quantify their impact and they they return on because it's an investment mm. in human humankind it so we did have our donors that stuck with us and our donors have, are, are, have been very loyal, which is extremely validating and encouraging. But how the public can help without us running a number of campaigns, which takes a lot of energy and a lot of resource, the best way to help any nonprofit is to give on a regular basis. So to become a monthly donor, it mm. can be 10 rand a month. It's only you know 120 rand a year. That is the best gift you can give to ZipZap, to ZipZap's children, because we run our programs for free and we don't ever want to charge. Yeah. Um, that is annuity income for us. We don't have to, uh, we spend our time thanking you for it and you will be well rewarded in terms of your social conscience and feeling, you know, the benefits of doing good, yeah. um, which definitely have amazing benefits. But we, that is the best way, and especially foreign currency goes a long way. So, you know, one dollar, one pound a month, ten pounds a month would be amazing. And we really do. That is what Zipzap needs the most. Um, we also um, have a gift in kind uh, wish list. We post uh, wishful Wednesdays on our Facebook. So sometimes we need simple things like a toaster. Mm. So that uh, we can have, uh, so our staff could have toast in the mornings uh, or even just a fridge. And when we put it out there, it's amazing. Sometimes we just need a sewing machine because we make our own costumes as well wow. for the shows. We have a little costume department and it's run by one of our uh, former students. She was also a trapeze artist and then now she's a mom, so she's become the costume designer. So there's those ways, but predominantly I'd say the monthly giving. It's easy to sign up. It's on our website. Um, we do it through Give and Gain. And um, that way it just becomes, uh, it helps us with cash flow. Mm. And um, and then 
as I say, the gift in kind, the wish list is on our website as well. So those are goods in kind. So a lot of people, for instance, companies cover our printing costs, cover our photocopying costs, um, cover the, you know, our, our water, um, and that just helps operational expenses. Um, but if you're just a regular public, uh, Joe public, like like you and I, just 10 rand a month, 50 rand a month would be so, so amazing. Okay, there's another thing that we can do to help support you. And this is, this is, I really want to talk about this documentary. You guys did a documentary and it is beautiful and moving and just so well shot. I really, really loved it. Um, it just speaks so much into South Africa and the culture and who we are in the most beautiful movement way. Tell us a little bit about it's Moya, right? Moya. Yes. Yes. yes Moya. Uh, wow. It is a beautiful story actually, because it is, as you know, we have a professional arm. So we're a social circus hmm. where we just train for social change, but then we also have this professional group who have come through the social programs and have got to a point where they are now sort of world-class circus artists and they also perform all around the world in regular, you know, pre-COVID times. Um, so because we were now stuck at home and uh, Moya was going to travel all across Europe and the States, we were going to do an international tour, um, we had to come up with another alternative and think outside of the box. So our co-founders, Laurence and Brent, one daughter, her name is Sabine von Rensburg. She is also former, she was born into the circus. I mean, you can imagine. She yeah. uh, started when she could barely walk. Uh, she's very much part of the circus family. And she has. She went to train in Montreal, Canada, as um, at one of the most prestigious circus art schools in the world. And uh, she had just graduated, and she's employed at the circus um company called Seven Fingers, which is the French of, um, translation into English. And they had traveled around the world touring and they also came to a grinding halt during COVID. So Sabine came back home thinking what she would then take and transfer some of her skills uh, to our students and start training some of the programs during um, the time that she was essentially um, had been retrenched. So she also brought along a couple of her circus friends uh, and they all had various disciplines. The one was a physiotherapist, in fact, which was very handy because um, we, we had a lot of aching muscles and aching bones when we were uh-huh. training. Um, and then the other two had various other acrobatics skills and uh, talents. So they were training this, the young students and because we couldn't go over, we thought, well, why don't we create, uh, they had done a movement film together in Canada and it had gone so well, they'd also got some funding from the Canadian government. So they thought, well, let's see if we can't turn Moya from a live show, potential, traveling international show, into an acrobatic short film and do an art film. That's quite interesting because South African art films, I don't know, mm. you know, we're quite sure and how is the audience going to accept this? And it's quite a, la- a leap of faith for, for Zip Zap. It's very different to what we normally put it on. 
Um, but we said, you know, what we've got to lose, we're going to push the envelope and we've got to push some creative boundaries in order to break the mold. And um, it's also, we wanted to tell Zipzap's story in a different way, yeah. uh, using different mediums. So this was Sabine's brainchild and it took a very, very, uh, it was a very intense period of time. I think they took eight weeks to put it together. Wow. They, had, they found over 12 different locations across the Western Cape. Um, and so there was a lot of intense filming. We used one of our um, very good friends from Fresh Air Crew. Um, his name is Nick Good. He was part of the cinematography group. And um, Sabine choreographed it. And then another guy, Bryn, also part of the videography group. So they went on this incredible journey. And the whole idea was to showcase, um, well, it was to tell the story of the circus. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell a story of the youth in the circus through the eyes of one of our uh, students. And this is, is Trompy's real story. His, his nickname is Trompy. His name is Jakubus Klaassen. And Jakubus ran away from home at 10 years old. He lived in Paul. He came from a very abusive uh, background. His family, there was, there, were, there was violence, there was alcohol and drugs. Um, and life in the streets was actually more appealing. That is just so radical to hear and um, to even comprehend. So he lived a life on the streets and uh, he was all cute at 10, but you know, when you grow up and you're not so cute anymore and you're begging and living under bridges and um, you know, maybe people aren't sympathetic. So he ended up um, going into a shelter in Salt River called the Multi-Service Center. They took him in and ZipZap does outreach in our neighborhood and it's called um well there's a couple of outreaches the one's called the hood for salt river children and they everyone in a radius of five to ten kilometers is welcome and they can walk to the academy which is great they don't have to use public transport and they don't have to rely on their parents to bring them either but this particular one was called second chance and it really uh, trompy was exposed to a circus show and then he wanted to join and join the circus. So he ran away and joined us. And that's Trompy's story. So the the whole story is told through the eyes of the youth, through Trompy's eyes. And the narrative is actually wrapped by um, Jason, one of our other performers, who's also in, in Moya, is the juggler. And he uh, compiled an original rap, which is a slow rap, my kind of rap, actually, because I love hearing <laughs> the lyrics. <laughs> and he wrote the lyrics and he does the rap. And it's just three verses over 45 minutes because it's not that slow, but it's just in intermittent phases of the visuals. Um, and he then tells the story of how, um, you know, how Trompy uh, discovered the circus and discover the magic of circus and how it turned around, turned his life around, really, and changed his destiny. Mm. Um, and it beautifully told, like you said, uh, through body art, mm. different locations. There's some underwater filming. Um, there's filming in Langladno Beach, Table Mountain. Um, I think there's also filming in Art. The Gumboot scene is done and the Pensuda scene is done in Grayton on a mm. dusty road. 
so and then juggling is done with the fruit cellars which is like typical landscapes of the cape so we try to sort of use our beautiful natural diversity and our cultural diversity of how our country could really be and like a, a little snippet and a vision of how um the beauty of our of our culture can shine through if we mm. just you know lived together in harmony it is absolutely beautiful and luckily we can still watch it and we can still get tickets right yes okay tell me where we can do that and how we access the film Okay, so it was on, um, we had it uh, during the month of, uh, it was actually April, I think, yes, and then it was just a quick 48-hour window. We had 46 countries tuning in. Wow. Believe it, Danny. Yes, from all over the world. And uh, we made, uh, we managed to raise 250,000 rand. Well done. uh, Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Absolutely amazing because um, we also got a lot of donations coming in at the same time. But then, of course, the whole uh, some of the world was like not awake and they <laughs> forgot to tune in and they didn't have Wi Fi and they were out in the countryside. So, fortunately, we were invited to Brighton Fringe Art Festival, which okay. is a UK based um, art festival, one of the largest in the world. And they have invited us. So, we are going to feature on Fringe. So it's brightonfringe.org is the platform. You can buy your tickets now. There'll be 150 rand, um, depending on the exchange rate of the day. It's around eight pounds. Um, and the window to view is from the 28th of May till the 27th of June. Okay. So we're now on the 18th of May. So you've still got lots of time to buy your ticket and you'll have a whole month to, to watch it. And have a watch party with your mates. You know, get some popcorn or don't have a watch party if it's a – you don't want a super spreader either. So maybe you just watch it alone. <laughs> I don't want to promote any of that, but we'll see how, how it's going at the moment, how the wave is uh, is approaching. But it's a, it's a virtual screening. It's watch on demand. You can buy your ticket and watch whatever you like in that window of a month. I can tell you right now, you should be watching alone um, in those yoga pants that you haven't put on since 2019 because I watched it and all I wanted to do, I felt so cuck. I was like, well, I mean, I've let myself go and look what people are doing with their bodies, Danny. Look at what these people are doing. What is wrong with you? And then I started Googling calisthenics and I went on like this whole journey and now I've decided that I'm going to join I'm going to find a circus and I'm going to join a circus because I want to look like that. I want to be healthy like that. And I want to be able to move like that. So not only is this documentary very beautiful and touching and just, just beautiful, it's inspiring to everyone, everyone, I think. Thank you. Yes. I mean, that is, that is hard work. Those chiseled bodies don't come (laughs) sort of easy. And those, Boys and girls are amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. I absolutely need all of them. I uh, watch them training every day from uh, the comfort of my office. And, yeah, I don't know how they do it, but they – and that is that is dedication. Yeah. Um, but it is inspiring because, you know, you can start somewhere. You can start mm-hmm. in those sexy yoga pants and do that first yoga course or yoga challenge. Just start moving. Yeah. Uh, and I think because we can do it from home – you know, you don't actually have to even spend any petrol to go and do it. It's, it's um, 
it's very inspiring. It is very inspiring. And I think, I think all of us need to go and get our eight pound tickets. Um, eight pounds is, I know it's, it's, it could be a lot of money for you, but it's definitely going somewhere that is going to make you feel good about spending that eight pounds. Um, and like you were saying, Roxy, I've always said giving is very selfish because we, the, the giver gets way more than the receiver. Cause in giving you get so much good and hopefully it snowballs out and you just want to give, 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 give all the time. Um, what is happening? What is up? What, what can we look forward to other than obviously the Brighton Fringe? Um, are you guys back training? Are you planning anything cool coming up the, later this year? What, what's happening? Yes, well, we are hoping to do our first live show. We are tentative at the moment. We've got all the plans in place. Yes, please. Fingers crossed. Um, but it's only set for July. So 14, we've got two show runs, only in Cape Town. But um, that's okay. You'll just have to come and visit us again in the okay. holiday. Still <laughs> on the day. So 14 to 18 July is one run, and then the 21 to 20. I think it's 21 to 26 July. That's in the Dome, uh, which is at uh, the Foreshore in Cape Town. And the, those, that performance is called Slapstick, and it's inspired by the Buster Keaton era of slapstick comedy and humour, and it'll be performed by our emerging school-going children. So they're still at school, and this is an extra mural for them, but they train really hard. They train um, at least twice a week. And they will probably be training a little bit harder to prepare for the show. Um, we'll be putting out the marketing collateral very shortly so people can book on Quicket. Um, then we hope, if we don't get to Tour Moya, the professional um, group, we, we are still working on a show behind the scenes. So besides the documentary or the acrobatic art film, um, we will, uh, you know, if we can, do a tour nationally next year okay so when we get to joburg durban pe in those centers we'll definitely let you guys know so that and that'll be a, a full show so it'll be the same collective called moya so we've done moya the film now we're working on moya the show um and that is going to take on a whole new form it'll be hopefully we have our own music um, local music, uh, which will be written locally, and uh, we're working on a couple of with a couple of artists there in the background, and also have a, a couple of choreographers, perhaps coming in from overseas, um, to help us craft the shows. It's been very exciting, and then uh, what else do we have up our sleeve? Um, hmm. Oh. Gosh, I nearly forgot. Yes, Journey. Now, Journey uh, Journey Returns is a collaboration with Artscape, and that is with the Philharmonic Orchestra, the mm -hmm. Cape Town Philharmonic Orchestra. It'll be, I think it'll be the fourth show we're doing with them, but we've had a lot of false starts because of COVID, mm -hmm. and we hope that this will take place in October at Artscape, and it's in it's a symphonic circus. Oh. So it's all the, the whole of Cape Town uh, Philharmonic Orchestra that performs. So if numbers allow, then it will be circus acts choreographed to symphonic music. And the idea is that we will possibly ask the orchestra 
to play classic, uh, not only classic, but rock. Mm. So we like to sort of have, um, you know, contemporary music uh, played by the orchestra and then, um, and then the, the circus acts are part of that. So that's going to be absolutely beautiful. Um, that's in October. And um, we hope to have that show on the road. I think we'll be collaborating with local media in, in Cape Town. But it is also a kind of show that we could take Johannesburg. We've, we've had that show at the Joburg Theatre before. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it would be great to, to revive it in Johannesburg too. I'm in Cape Town in October. I'm just saying I'm, I'll, I'll be there. I will be there. This is my whole vibe. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, you'll definitely be uh, one of our guest honors. <laughs> I want to come and play. That's all I actually want to do. Yes. I would love to go and watch, but I would really prefer to come and play um, okay. and see how you guys operate and what you do and all of the cool things and hopefully walk away with the skill, even if it's juggling. I don't know. Well, what I need to send you is um, we recently did, because no one can come and, visit us as we love having friends over to the academy in salt river which is uh everyone every child's dream i think it's every uh all the children within us still yeah. the child ends dream still it is like a triple volume playground mm. uh we have bicycles hanging from the ceiling we've got unicycles we've got juggling uh, balls we've got uh, scarves and trapeze and these beautiful big mats and this exquisite dance studio. So we have done a virtual tour. We took our ringmaster and we asked him to whiz us around to show people um, what we do at the academy. So what I'll do is as soon as that's finished, I'll send you that little um, that link. And then you can get a little, little wet your appetite for the actual visit. I'm ready. I'm ready. I will leave my life. I will leave my dog. No, I'll bring my dog, but I will leave my husband and everything behind. And I'm coming to the circus. It's decided. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant, Danny. We'd love to have you. Awesome. Okay. So, Roxy, one last time. Where are we going to find out everything that we need to know about um, donations, about the Brighton Fringe, about all of it? Okay. So best starting place is our website. So it's um, zip-zap.co.za. Everything's on there. I'll also be posting the virtual tour on there very soon once the the final version is up. Then you can also book Brighton Fringe because our banners are all up for Brighton Fringe. But if you'd like to go directly, it's brightonfringe.org. Book your Moya ticket there. Um, Slapstick is the show in July in Cape Town. That's going to be available on Cricket. And then, of course, if you are in Cape Town for October, Journey returns with the Cape Town Philharmonic Orchestra, which is going to be absolutely mesmerizing. Um, And then if you are in Cape Town and want to pop in, uh, we do practice COVID protocols and everything. Bring your mask. And we'll quickly whiz you around. We love hosting friends. But we're also going to be on Airbnb as an experience if you want to do juggling, learn how to juggle. So the 101 of juggling is going to soon be an Airbnb experience. So that's another um, something that we are are cooking up in the the magic factory. (laughs) I am here for all of this. Roxanne. Thank you so much for your time again and thank you for always coming on the show and and talking about the circus um i i really appreciate it 
Thank you for being such a circus fan. <laughs> uh, we love uh, we love chatting to you, Danny. It's always a pleasure, and um, I hope that you have a beautiful day. Remember, you can catch the full video on xotv.me, and you can meet us in kind of real life. Thanks to DJ Chuck for the music. You can catch him at www.chucksprosound.co.za. New episodes on Jackpot and XOTV every Monday. Love you.